for leading us into the presence of God this morning. You can have a seat this morning. Uh, my name is Mark. If you're here, you're checking us out. You're new to experience. Uh, my wife and I, Amanda, we get the privilege and honor of serving this incredible community and people that God is using in a profound way in our community. So thankful that you're here with us. And you heard a little bit about our mission, but, but I'm going to kind of teach us and train us in this in the upcoming weeks so that we all know what we're about and why we exist. Our heartbeat as a church is, is one thing. We just want to help people. We want to help people get closer to and become more like Jesus. Can you, can you say that with me? We'll have it on the screen. You guys can say it with me. I'll even give you a cheat sheet with a slide on the screen. Let's all say it together. Helping people get closer to and become more like Jesus. That is our heartbeat. That is why we exist as a church. And I'll tell you what, we're seeing it happen. We're seeing people every week give their life to Christ in both of our locations here also in San Francisco. It's so cool to see that what you're about actually happening before your very eyes. And this past Sunday, we're in a series called Momentum. And uh, it was so fun last week having our youth up here on a panel sharing moments that they had on our first ever missions trip to Mexico last month. They went on the missions trip and, and these young people, high school, middle school, college age, kids had moments with God that have led to movement. And how many you know movement leads to momentum? And that's our prayer for every one of you, that you'd have momentum in your life. And then last week, I kind of had a proud pastor moment. Every now and then I get the liberty to have one of those. And it was last Thursday night in our San Francisco location where we gathered together to worship. And uh, we took some time to have this discussion and uh, in, a, in a panel. We kind of went where very few people want to go. And we just talked about what's going on in our nation and, and race and, and hatred and violence and, and unity and peace and what God wants to do. And, and how do we respond as followers of Christ? And it was absolutely brilliant. I, I'm so encouraged that you're willing to go there as a community. So thank you so much for being willing to go there. And it was just beautiful. I've been bombarded this week with emails and texts, just so encouraged by what God is doing. And I felt like we stepped into something fresh and new as a church last week in our worship night. And uh, it was awesome. And a big high five to the Green Valley crew that made it all the way down there to SF to be a part of that. Thank you for braving the traffic and, and making it happen. And then, you know, when you have momentum, you, good things happen, right? And so we had a family come to our church last week. I'm going to read the email. He says, hello, church. We had the pleasure of visiting the church for uh, this past Sunday on, in San Francisco as we were in town from San Diego for a family reunion. I wanted to let you know how much we enjoyed the worship experience and atmosphere of your church. A man named Mark with an Aussie accent greeted us. That's our founding pastor, Pastor Mark Smolcom. And a very kind lady named Kim introduced herself and made us feel very welcome. My wife and daughter truly enjoyed the worship and the message inspired me to look for moments to see movements. Somebody was paying attention. The kindness did not end after the worship experience is over. The youth leader, a very sweet and enthusiastic lady, sorry I did not catch her name, spoke with my daughter Emma, as did several of the youth. It really made her day for them to spend time with her even though we were just visiting. Now listen to the good part. Your church should be proud of how it treats newcomers. Your genuineness and warmth is a true testament to the heart of the church. All have said it was, it was ever more... All of, all of that said, we are moved to potentially move to the Bay Area. We would want to attend your church. Thank you again for making Jesus look good. We will keep you in prayers for the next 21 days and beyond. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's encouraging. And so you can kind of feel the momentum that's happening in our church. You can feel it. You felt it last week at worship night. Felt it last week here in church and down in San Francisco. This gentleman obviously felt it. I feel like I'm kind of biased. I love our church, and I think we love our church, but isn't it cool to hear that other people love our church too, that new people can come and enjoy what God is doing here as well? And you know, 
the momentum isn't just for us. The momentum's to get outside of our doors. And last week at Worship Night, we had all these people come from around the Bay Area that's hearing what God's doing at our church and joined us for worship. And this Friday night, we have an incredible opportunity as a church to do our second movie night here in Green Valley, literally right on the other side of those fences. Uh, in Cordelia Hills Park, 7 o'clock, we're going to have bounce houses and, and free water and a popcorn machine. And then the screen's going to go up. we got a new screen this time. It's not going to blow over. Thank you, Jesus. The last one didn't either. But we're going to be showing the Lego movie this week. And last time, we had over 200 people turn up to that movie night. We were able to connect with so many people. I know we already have a couple of families from the, the movie night that are now coming to our church. And so we want to use this as a blessing. We believe that the greatest need here in our community is community. It's giving a space for people to connect and make new friends and hang out and have fun as a family. And so we're doing that with our movie night this Friday night. Who's coming? Who's bringing somebody with them to watch a Lego movie? Hallelujah. Eat some salty. How many know salty popcorn is the best popcorn? And then you, you, you down it with some water after you get the salt right? And that's what we're going to be doing Friday night. It's going to be absolutely awesome. All right, if you have your message notes, you can pull them out at this time. If you didn't get one when you came in today, go ahead and just lift your hand. Our ushers will come by and hook you up. We see hands around, and we will give you some message notes. This is just kind of our way of helping you kind of track with with what's being shared uh, in the message so that we can all learn and grow together. So today, we're going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to give you kind of a setup to get you ready for the scripture and what God wants to do this morning. All right, so if you have your message notes, the first thing that you can write down is this. Momentum is God's will for you. Fill in that blank. Momentum is God's will for you. Isn't it good to know that you don't have to beg him for momentum? He wants you to have momentum. He wants to give you momentum. He wants to release momentum. Now, what is momentum? Momentum is acceleration with ease. It's moving faster towards your desired outcome without working harder. It's that little something extra That's momentum. It's a confidence. It's a, I can do this. I will do this. That's momentum. God wants you to live with momentum. And can I tell you this morning that you are actually momentum made. You were made for momentum. You are supposed to have momentum. That's God's will for your life. Write this down this morning. Momentum is available to every person, person in every area of life. Momentum is available. So it can be caught. Every person can catch it, and every person can catch it in every area of their life. So our prayer during this series, this month, is that you would get momentum in every area of your life. We asked you last week, what is your area of your life where you most need it? To pray for that during our 21 days of prayer. Some of you are are doing that. It's awesome. We want momentum for you in every area of your life. That's what we're praying for during these 21 days of prayer. And I want you to see this, is that when you have momentum... Crazy dreams seem not just possible, but plausible. What seems impossible, you actually begin to think differently. You begin to think, well, that could happen. Yeah, that, 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 that may actually happen. Yeah, let's go for that. Let's do that. Let's plan and let's prepare. When you have momentum, crazy dreams seem plausible. Energy abounds. You're not talking about how tired you are or, or how you didn't get enough sleep. You're actually energized because you have momentum. When you have momentum, you feel like you're winning. You don't feel like you're barely squeaking by or barely getting by. You actually have this sense deep within you that, hey, we're winning. We're actually taking ground. We're going somewhere. Write this down this morning. Momentum can carry you beyond your highest potential. Write down highest potential. And this is really big because I think a lot of times we we track our our IQ and our our EQ, our emotional intelligence and our degrees, and, and that kind of sets us up for like our ceilings, like our potential. But what momentum can do is momentum can actually carry you beyond 
your highest potential. Think about that. It can take you beyond you. It can take you beyond the limits that you yourself have as an individual. And it also takes us beyond our collective potential as a team, a family, a community. All right, so as I was preparing for this uh, message, I was thinking about the title, and it's written on your message. It's called One Step. But really, if I'm honest with you today, I actually wanted to call it Dubstep. That's what I wanted the title of the message to be. And, and I was actually going to hire a dancer to come up here and like do the dubstep thing. And, 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 and then I thought, no, no, there's got to be a youth. We've got to have a youth that, that's capable of doing the dubstep, right? But, but just full disclosure here real quick. I actually watched YouTube videos this week. And I got in front of a mirror. And I tried to learn the dub. Yeah, you want? I, I, honestly, I can't. I'm white. And I got no rhythm. And, and, and I know you'd love a good laugh, but you're not getting it. Uh, so we're just going to keep the title of the message this morning as One Step. Everybody say One Step. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Here's why we're in the book of Acts. The book of Acts has more momentum in it than any book in the Bible. It's the book of the Bible with the most momentum, so that's where we're at. That's where we were last week. We're talking about momentum from the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about it again today. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 3, verse 6 through 10 says this. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up. He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This guy had been paralyzed for 40 years, 40 years. If you got unparalyzed after 40 years, you wouldn't just walk. You'd jump and leap and dance and shout, and you'd get your hokey pokey on, right? And it says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. So he was a, he was a beggar that could not provide for himself through work or means because he couldn't walk or get to the job site or wherever it may be. So he was asking people to help him. People would help him, and they would go through the gate beautiful to actually come to the place of prayer. Right, And so Peter and John are actually going to a prayer meeting, and as they're going to the prayer meeting, they meet a guy, and they're able to pray for him and bring healing to him. And it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They recognized that's the guy that couldn't walk, but now the guy's jumping up and down and dancing. What happened? Well, find out what happens. And it says, and they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what happens is a crowd draw, is now drawn. Peter then shares the gospel. He sees a golden opportunity, shares the gospel, says, hey, the Jesus that healed this guy is the same Jesus that can save you from your shame, your guilt, your condemnation, the mix-ups and mess-ups and bad habits. He wants to give you a new life. So he points, hey, this happened because of him. And then the religious people got upset. You know, they're kind of crusty and flaky and, and, and kind of, you know, they're just kind of on edge and they're annoyed because somebody else is, is getting the attention and somebody else, God's moving somewhere else. And so they're having a problem with it and they get annoyed. And they were teaching the people, proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. And it says, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. If you have in your Bible, you can just write next to that life goal. Get arrested for healing somebody. That is on my bucket list. I would love to go beyond bars because I healed someone. Amen. Just write it in your Bible. Life goal. Arrested for miracling. Arrested for healing. Isn't that awesome? Write in our Bibles. It says, and they arrested them, put them in custody till evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed 
and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So we talked about last week that the number after Paul, uh, Peter preached the first message, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. Now we see it's grown now to 5,000 people because of this miracle, and then pointing the miracle to the miracle worker. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you that there's momentum all around us today. Pray that every single one of us would open our hearts to receive it in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. As a kid, I really loved to go biking. And I'd go biking with family and friends, and and we'd have a lot of fun. We'd bike to to neighborhood kids' houses for baseball games and backyard football and all kinds of fun stuff. And I really enjoyed biking, but there was one kind of place that I avoided when I was on a bike, and it was called The Hill. Everyone kind of understands where I'm going with this, right? The hill, right? We all had one in our neighborhood, that daunting thing, right? And, and, and I always avoided the hill because when you try to go up the hill, you wouldn't make it up the hill. And, and I wouldn't even call it biking. It was more like hiking with a bike, right? And it wasn't really like a hill. It was actually like a mountain. It was like scaling Everest on wheels, is really what this thing was like. And, and, and I hated the hill and would try to avoid it at all costs because my sister in her 10 speed would fly right by me to the top. And from the top, she would say to me, Mark, we're up here. We're waiting on you when you get up here. And you know what that does to a little boy? That does not help him. And so what would happen is I'd make it about halfway up the hill, couldn't get there any, any higher, and I'd have to get off my bike and walk my bike up the hill. They call that the walk of shame. For a little boy, there's nothing worse than having to get off your bike and walk it. And I'd walk it all the the way to the top in shame, thinking, why did I even go up this stupid hill? I didn't even want to take this route, right? And I'd absolutely hate the hill, right? We all have one of those. We've all had one of those in our life. And, and, and my issue is that I would stay away from it because it was just discouraging. So I, I started avoiding it, not even going to that section of the neighborhood because I, I just didn't want to be around it. I was like intimidated by it, right? But, but the issue is that there was a hill before the hill and you needed to take the downhill speed to catch momentum to actually scale the hill. The problem was my bike. I didn't have a 10 speed. I had a BMX bike with tires the size of a donut. Like a donut that you get at like Costco or Safeway, like a real edible donut, not like a donut tire on a vehicle, like a real donut that you can eat in one bite. And so I have this small little tires on this BMX bike and, and the tread's all worn out because I'm running through the neighborhood, you know, making skid marks because that's just what boys do. Black marks on sidewalk is awesome. It just looks cool, right? And so I, I'm doing these skid marks. I have no tread, the small tires. I'm trying to get up the hill. But the real reason I couldn't get up the hill wasn't the bike. The real reason is because you needed to go downhill without brakes as fast as you can to get you about halfway up the hill with momentum. Then you can take that momentum to the top. There was time, early spring, water went over the creek. There's some sand. I go down that hill without brakes. I hit the sand. I tumble into the weeds and fly my bike into the creek. And so, you know, kind of like not a good moment. Like, I think I still have a little post-traumatic, you know, syndrome going on there. And so I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. And I wanted to get up the hill on my terms. I will get up the hill without momentum. I will get up the hill without putting my brakes. I'm, I'm going to get up that hill on my terms. But guess what? That didn't happen for me. And I would not get up that momentum the way I wanted to get, to get up that hill. I needed momentum. Guess what? You have a hill in your life that you are not going to scale on your terms. The only way that thing's going to turn and change and you're going to get victory over it is by you doing it God's way, and God's way requires momentum. So finally, when I got over my fear of going downhill too fast, 
I let go of the brakes and I got about halfway up the hill with my little donut tires and I pedaled my little heart out all the way to the top. And I look down at that hill and I'm like, now what? What's up? Come get some. I'll go down and back up. You want me to? That's how I was feeling, right? We get bold after we've scaled it, right? All of us have a hill, and I'm believing today that you're going to get something from God that's going to help you get momentum in your life to scale that thing, to get on the top of that thing, to get victory in that thing. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. All right. So there's a process to this. There's steps. I'm normally not a steps or a, a point preacher, but today I am because I want to help you. I want to just kind of put on my pastor hat and just teach you a little bit. So there's four steps to momentum. And I'm going to tell you the first step, but it's really the step before the first step. Most of us never even get to the first step of momentum because we want to do everything on our terms. We want to do everything our way. And so we don't even start what God wants us to do because we're so intimidated by the hill, the mountain, that thing that intimidates us and scares us. So you can write this in your notes today. The, the, the first step in momentum is begin. You just get started. You don't have all your questions answered. You don't have the algorithm figured out. You don't even know what you're doing. It doesn't matter. You just start. You begin. That's the first step of momentum. And, and that's the step that the devil doesn't want you to take. Because when you take that first step, you get momentum. No matter how hard it is, no matter how tough or difficult it is, once you take that first step, you've entered into a new grace, a new place where you can receive momentum and continue to take steps. So the first step is, is you got to begin. And we're going to spend our most time right here because this is actually the most difficult step. Write this down. The first step is the hardest. It's the hardest. The first step is always the hardest. That's why there's the most amount of resistance to the first step. Because once you take that first step, you know you're going to take another step. You're not going to just stop once. You're going to take another step. That's why it's the step that's the hardest, the most challenging, the most difficult, the one that requires the most sweat and energy. It's always the first step. It's the hardest step. And you know, some of you, when we talk about spiritual momentum, it was a super difficult, hard, challenging step for you just to come to church today. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe, maybe you did, but you've, you've kind of gotten busy, and life's happened, and, and you're finding your way back here, and you, you've been resisted for months in order to come here. We had a worship leader in our church that literally came to our church seven, eight weeks in a row and sat in his car and would not get out of his car to come into church because he felt so much resistance. He was battling an addiction at that time, and finally, one Sunday, somebody noticed him, knocked on his window, welcomed him in. He came, sat with that guy, got set free from his addiction, got totally transformed, and became one of our worship leaders. Think about that. So I want to give every one of you a big high five for coming to the house of God and overcoming resistance. I'm tired. The kids didn't sleep good last night. Football starting on Sunday mornings. You overcame all the resistance to come to the house of God. It means you're going to get some momentum today. The first step is always the hardest. Stephen Pressfield is an author that has greatly encouraged me specifically on this subject of momentum and resistance. And he says this, on the field of self stand a knight and a dragon. You are the knight. Resistance is the dragon. He goes on to explain this. He says, our enemies, uh, our forces arrayed against us as artists and entrepreneurs. Anybody that's going to set out to create anything. And, and let me just tell you, every one of you are an artist or an entrepreneur because you are creating your life. You're creating a culture in your family, your marriage, with your kids, in your career. You're cr always creating 
We were made by a creator to be creatives. Every one of you are a creative genius, whether you believe it or not. You are. You have that potential, right? So this applies to everybody. And here's the three categories. He says that our three categories of our enemies are, number one, resistance. And resistance is a big one. Resistance is fear, self-doubt, procrastination, addiction, distraction, timidity, ego and narcissism, self-loathing, and perfectionism. That's a whole lot of resistance. I feel resisted just talking about it. Then it says our second enemy is rational thought. It just doesn't make sense. What God puts in your heart to do, there's no way that can happen, right? So we don't even begin. And then the third one is friends and family. I know you too well. Come on. Get in your lane. You can't do that. Don't you know what family you're from? Anybody ever heard that this morning? The following is a list in no particular order of those activities that most commonly elicit resistance. Let's go on this journey together. The pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film, dance, or any creative art, you will find resistance. The launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise for profit or otherwise, resistance. Any diet or health regimen, can I get an amen? Right? We don't even want to begin. I'm like, Atkins? No, Atkins. Get away from me, Atkins. Paleo? No, uh uh-uh. Right? I don't even begin. I get so intimidated by it. There's so much resistance. Any program of spiritual advancement. If you're in the house of God today, you're being resisted. And who's going to overcome the resistance? Come on, every last one of us. Any activity whose aim is the acquisition of chiseled abdominals. (laughs) This This is true, right? I used to do tr- CrossFit because I wanted chiseled abs, and now I'm just like, I don't want the dad bod. It's, it's not about chiseled abs anymore. It's just like, just keep the dad bod gut away from me, right? Like, that's kind of the goal, right? Resistance. Uh, any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction. Resistance. Education of every kind. Parents, you can now understand your kids, <laughs> right? School. There's a resistance to them learning anything, right? Any act of political, moral, ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better, some unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves. Betterment, progress, resistance. The undertaking of any enterprise or endeavor whose aim is to help others. Resistance. Any act that entails commitment of the heart. The decision to get married. Come on, young couples. Come on, tie that knot now. Going to the chapel and where gonna get married I know she's looking at you right now she's like come on right here right here put a ring on it how about all of our married couples any act that entails commitment to the heart to have a child you know our worship leader George had his baby last night him and Christelle their little girl named Talitha was born actually two nights ago she'll be with us next Sunday see some some of y'all married couples we believe and experience that we grow the church through childbearing So just have a fun time, have some kids, grow the church. Thank you, Jesus. Or how about this, to weather a rocky patch in a relationship. Resistance, the taking of any principled stand in the face of adversity. Resistance, in other words, any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity. Resistance, let's be honest with ourselves. We run from resistance. We try to avoid resistance at all costs. We see that hill, the hill in our life, and we, 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 we ignore it. We, we try to act like it does not even exist. But really what we should do, we should step towards it. 
We should attack it. We should know that this is actually part of the process. And what we should do is we should resist resistance. The Bible says in, in James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says it right here. It says, uh, submit yourself to the Lord and resist the devil. Can I tell you that the devil is the author, the source of resistance. He wants to resist any forward progress in your life. Why? Because he's intimidated by you. He knows if the truck starts moving step after step after step, he's going to lose and you're going to win. He's resisting you because he's scared of you. But what you're going to do is you're going to rise up and you're going to resist him and you're going to overcome and you're going to write that book. You're going to start that business. You're going to forgive that person that's been holding you back and you're going to become the person that God called and created you to be. Why? Because you're more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You're an overcomer. That's who you are. So we, we don't need to avoid resistance. We actually need to resist resistance. And how do we resist resistance? We do that by taking the same step forward. So many of us, we start taking the right steps, and then we stop taking them. See, some people are just like uneasy right now because they're like, oh, no, he's going to ask me to take all these steps today. You know me pretty well. <laughs> but that's actually not what I'm going to do. What I'm, I'm going to do is, is I want to encourage you to keep on taking the right steps that you're already taking. Write this down today. Keep taking the same step forward. The right step, don't stop that. Coming to church on Sundays, putting God first. Parents, can I tell you, stay-at-home parents, don't raise go-to-church kids. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care if they don't want to come. They're coming. And they're going to learn to like it. And guess what? My three love it. They wake up on Sundays, 